take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Nehemiah in the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to look just for a few minutes this morning at another picture of the mercy and grace of God that was, uh, again, displayed so beautifully in God's relationship with Israel in the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 8, I'll give you a few minutes to find it. We're going to be starting with the ninth verse this morning. And let me just set up the, um, the scripture for you, because we're not, we're not reading the first eight chapters, um, which, which would let you know exactly what was going on. But this is the, the, the time when the children of Israel, some of the children of Israel, not most of them, but some of them, had come back from captivity in Babylon. They had come back and were, were given the responsibility to rebuild the city wall of Jerusalem and to, and to inhabit Jerusalem again. And as they did that, first of all, like I said, there wasn't that many of them, but those who did it faced all kinds of opposition by those who were living in Jerusalem during those 70 years of, cap, of, the, of the captivity of Israel. So as Israel was gone, other people moved in and were enjoying living in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, and they weren't too excited about these guys coming back from wherever they were and taking things over again. And so even though the Israelites had permission of the emperor to, to come and do it, they faced a lot of opposition. So much, in fact, that there was one time that they were doing the work on the, on the, on the wall that they had to divide the, the force up, the, the labor force, into defensive people and, and, and building people. So those that were, that were laying bricks and, and cutting stone and those kind of things were on one part, and, and others who had, had those same skills had to take swords to, to fight off those who were fighting them from doing the job. Those who were carrying the materials had to carry with one hand and have their sword ready in the other hand. It was a very, very difficult time. Finally, they got it finished. They got the wall finished, and they were, they were getting together for a celebration, and to, to to participate in their celebration, their celebration, they decided they should read the word of God. So Ezra the priest stood up high on this platform that was built for the occasion, and all the children of Israel that had come back to Jerusalem were there, and he read the law to them. So now we pick it up in verse 9 of chapter 8. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So after a, after a time of, of real tough hardships, they finally finished their, their work 
And then they started hearing the law of the Lord read and they realized how far short they had fallen of God's will, of God's plan for their lives, for the children of Israel. And so there in the midst of, of what was supposed to be a great day, they heard the law and they began to weep and they began to grieve. And Nehemiah reminded them, even though it was true, Romans 3.23 hadn't been written yet, but they were experiencing it, which says that all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That wasn't written yet, but it was, it was a reality, and they knew it. As they stood there facing their sins as they were being read, this is very reminiscent of 2 Kings 22 when Josiah, the young king, rediscovered the law as it was, as it was found in the, in the rubble of the temple. As the, as the secretary brought him the law and they began to read it, it says Josiah sat there and tore his clothes and asked for ashes to be brought so he could put ashes on his head because they had so miserably fallen short of the law of God. Nehemiah told the people as they wept, the joy of the Lord is your strength. As we started our service this morning from Psalm 95, sing for joy as you come together. Some of us are trying to think, wait a second, how does that relate to where I'm at right now? How does that relate to what we're going through right now in our country, in our family, in our jobs, whatever the circumstance might be? How does singing for joy relate to that? And I want to tell you, the way that it relates is just like it related to the children of Israel when they saw their sin before them and how far short they had fallen. Nehemiah pointed it out to them. We want to remember it together this morning that the joy of the Lord is our strength. In spite of all the difficulties that we're facing, because of COVID-19, because of the protests, because of the election, because of the economy, all the different things, and, and, and those are just the things that we're all going through. That doesn't count all the stuff that we're going through as individuals. It doesn't count the, the difficulties that we may be having in our marriages or be having with our kids or you know, be having with our particular jobs or those kinds of things with our own health issues and all that. How does this relate to us? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And no matter what is going on, if we believe in God, the Creator, through His Son, the Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, if we believe in Him, then we always have a reason to sing for joy to the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our strength is not in our ability to keep the squirrels out of the bird food. And that's sometimes what our lives feel like. That that's all we're doing is just trying to fix stuff. Trying to keep stuff from breaking. Trying to keep stuff to, la to make it last. One of my granddaughters, one of my granddaughters calls me the fixer. Because I'm always fixing stuff, because stuff's always breaking. Sometimes that, that's what it feels like our lives are about. And you know what? That is what our lives are about. And in spite of that, 
in the midst of that, during all of that. And remember, when this crisis or these crises are over, and, and these are going to get over in one way or another, my vote is what we were singing about just a minute ago. Lord Jesus, come back. Any other any other people voting for that today? Yeah. Now, I know some of you are thinking, no, I still got some stuff that I want to do. I remember, I remember having the thoughts myself. I remember one night specifically as I was getting ready for the next day we were going to Six Flags. I thought, Lord Jesus, just wait one more day to come back because I really want to go to Six Flags. Now, I'm embarrassed that I had that thought all right now. But all of us have, those, have some of those ideas, but I want to tell you something. Unless the Lord Jesus comes back, and he could come back at any time, everything is set up for him to do so according to the word of God. It could happen today. But if he doesn't, and he may not because the word of God says in Second Peter that he's not coming back until that last person that he knows is going to receive him has received him. So it's not going to happen until that, that takes place. And so it's by his grace, by his mercy, that he hasn't returned yet. And if he doesn't return, all of these issues that we're going through right now are going to get solved in one way or another. And you know what's going to happen after these are solved? There's going to be a whole new set of them. Because that's the way this fallen world is. And that's the way God has us planted and placed in this fallen world to make a difference because we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. We get through this stuff because we have the joy of the Lord. We know, first of all, that our sins are forgiven. The children of Israel were, were weeping because they were so convicted of their sins. And that's a great place to be. That's the ministry of the Word of God in our lives. That's the way the Holy Spirit works in us. That's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to be in the Word of God on a regular basis. All of it. To read it, to see how far short we fall of His plan. And to confess our sins to Him. And to have that joy in Him restored as our fellowship is restored through confession of our sins to Him. The Word of God is critical for us. And it reminds us, not only of our sin, but it also reminds us of the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ. And that forgiveness is the basis for all of our joy. And then it's also the basis for all of our relationships. And see, so we forget that. When the, when, go, when the going gets tough and the stress, stress levels rise, we forget that forgiveness is the basis of all of our relationships. Our expectations for others around us, especially our spouses and our kids and our parents, go through the roof. And, and we start letting each other down right and left. And the next thing you know, we're all after each other. And that's what's happening. And then we come back together, or we get back in the Word of God, or we get together with, with others in our Bible study, and we remember what God has done for us in Christ. And He's forgiven us of our sins. He's given us the great hope and promise and guarantee of eternal life. And that we have nothing to worry about because we have that coming to us. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. We have that to look forward to. And so He gives us His joy back, and then we remember that the basis of all of our relationships is forgiveness. And we begin to forgive each other again. We begin to love each other again. We begin to serve together as we should. It's one of the reasons why I'm so thankful for, for the body here at Midway yesterday coming out on a hot morning like this morning 
and serving and, and working and putting things together, making things look nice again and, and, and doing that hard work. I praise God for the willingness of the body of Christ in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of trials, to put those things down and remember whose we are and who we're serving and that we do it together. You see, that's what the body of Christ is all about. This is one of our great responsibilities to each other, to remind each other of the joy of the Lord, to remind each other of the basis of the joy of the Lord, to remind each other every time we see each other and, and, and every time we're together that we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Not because we're so good, not because we've got everything figured out, but because Jesus Christ loves us. Look what he says in John 15. Turn with me there in the New Testament as we as we wrap things up this morning. John 15. This is the this is part of the great message that the Lord Jesus gave his disciples um, right after the Last Supper, before his arrest. John chapter 15, verse 9. Look what he says about us. As the Father has loved me, this is John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I'm going to reread that. I have told you this so that my joy, remember what Nehemiah said about the joy of the Lord? This is, this is the same joy he's talking about. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name, this is my command, love each other. And you see, that's the body of Christ. The body of Christ loving each other within family groups, within a, within a larger context of, of, of the local church. And as we love each other, we are receiving the joy of the Lord, rem remembering the basis of that joy, reminding each other, hey, things are tough right now. Reminding, reminding our friends' children, as their parents have been trying to encourage them, it's nice to have some reinforcements to come along and say, hey, you know what, you're going to get through this. This, this is going to end up being great. You're going to see somehow, some way, what you're going through right now is really going to turn out great. For us to encourage those kids to keep listening to their parents, to keep obeying their parents, to keep trusting what their parents are saying and doing, and, and all the other circumstances that we face together, some of us lost jobs. Some of us have had demotions in our jobs. Some of us have had cut in pay. 
It's nice to come together with the body of Christ and, and to hear somebody say, you know what? God's going to God's going to get you through this. God's promised that he's going to provide for you. And you can still have joy in your life because those things that have happened to you aren't the worst things. The worst thing would have been that if you wouldn't be forgiven of your sins, if you didn't have the hope of eternal life when this life is over. And you've got that. And so we can still have the joy of the Lord and we can still be strong and we can still get through whatever it is that we have to get through. You see, Jesus was concerned for us, speaking of his initial disciples, but through them, us, as we see in John 17, that progression, Jesus was concerned that they would have his joy in them because he knew that that joy was going to be the difference maker in their witness in the world that they were going to be living in, that they're going to be suffering in, that they're going to be persecuted in. They were going to be men and women of joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so he wanted them to make sure that they understood the connection of that joy with the overall body of Christ because that's our job to remind each other of the foundation and the basis of the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. We can't meet all of our all of each other's needs, but he can. And we remember that when we get together, when we encourage each other. When we read the word together, when we study the word together, when we sing these songs together. I was so encouraged this morning just singing the words to those songs that the praise team was leading us in today. Those great truths reminding us of the foundation of the life that God has given us, of the promises that God has given us. So that we, in the midst of these difficult days, days of confusion, days of, of, of just, just lots of disagreements and, and, and fractions and, and all kinds of things, that He will still fill us with His joy and through His joy give us the strength that we need to make a difference in this world. Because see, we're still shining. That's still our job. Nothing has changed. Oh, we're not indoors right now. We're not together as often as we were and all those kind of things. And there may be some other big, big differences in life, but there's still one thing that hasn't changed. Those of us with the joy of the Lord, we're still shining in a dark world. People are still learning from us that there's more to this life than just the stuff that's going on right now. There's, that there's love to be shared. There's service to be rendered. That there's a God in heaven to be glorified through the lives that he has given us by his grace through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a lot of reason to shine today. And as dark as the world is around us, that makes the shining even brighter. Let's remember that as we remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ yet, and I say yet because there's a good reason that he's got you here this morning. It wasn't just your idea that you came. This was the day that you were going to hear about the joy of the Lord and how it was your strength. And if you don't know him personally, if you haven't found forgiveness from your sins from Jesus, then you haven't been forgiven of your sins. And you don't have the hope of eternal life. And you don't have a basis for his joy. But the moment you put your trust in him, the moment you ask him to forgive you of your sins and to give you the gift of eternal life, you will have the joy of the Lord and you will be the witness that he wants you to be in this world. You will be that bright light. 
He will help you overcome all of the difficulties that you have in your lives. He's not, that doesn't mean you're not going to have them. But he will help you through them and he will use you in the midst of them to shine bright for his glory. You can have that joy this morning by putting your trust in Jesus. There's no magic formula. There's no certain set of rules that you have to follow, no steps you have to take. You simply ask Jesus, the living Savior, to forgive you of your sins and to give you the gift of eternal life. And he will do that for everyone who calls on his name. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your joy, the joy that you gave your disciples originally, the joy that you've given each one of us who have put our trust in you since that day. That like the Israelites of old, in the face of our sins, of our rebellion against you, of the difficulties that we face, the hardships that we have, we still have your joy. And we thank you for your reminder this morning that your joy is our strength. Not our strength is our strength, but your joy is our strength. And so fill us with that joy that we might have the strength to shine brightly for you whatever the opportunity might be, whatever the responsibility might be, whatever the challenge that lies before us, even the difficulties, the crises that we're facing together in our country. We pray that you would remind us whenever we're together, whether it's through Zoom or in person or on the phone or in text or whatever, however we're maintaining our relationships now, we pray that you would use us to remind ourselves that your joy is our strength. Help us not to wallow in the self-pity of the, of the circumstances that we're in, but help us to rise up out of it with your joy as our strength. And Father, for those who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus. Give them the courage and faith this morning, even before they leave this grove, this beautiful sanctuary that you've created. Give them the courage and faith to say, yes, Jesus, I need you. Finally, after all this time, I'm going to quit trying to do it myself. I'm going to let you forgive me. I'm going to let you give me the gift of eternal life, and I'll receive it gladly, humbly from you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.